Yo, yo, what is up? What is up? You are listening to the NBA Big Board Podcast, and this is Rafael Barlow with my co-host, the intelligent Sam Ferris. And in this episode, we are going to talk about centers in this year's draft, but how they relate to the NBA playoffs. Do centers even matter in the playoffs? And we'll talk about that in regards to Mark Williams, Jalen Duran, Christian Coloco, and a few other centers, and see if Sam believes that they can make an impact in the playoffs. Stay tuned. All right, shout out to each and every person that has made the NBA Big Board Podcast your first listen of the day. All right, let's just get right into this episode. Sam, man, how is everything going in your way out there in Utah? Everything's going well in Salt Lake. Can't complain. Had the combine last week, and now it's kind of just uh, full bore ahead for the next month as we gear up for the draft. All right, so I was actually at the combine, and I didn't get a chance to watch like the ESPN coverage or anything like that. But mm-hmm. from a person that was not there, what was your overall thoughts about the 2022 NBA combine? Were you disappointed like I was that the majority of the players did not participate? So that was the first thing that came to mind, yeah, was just the amount of guys not participating. And like, I can see it from both perspectives. There's certain guys that you could argue that have potentially more to lose than to gain. Like, I know you've talked about a guy like Shaden Sharp. Uh, A lot of people want to see him play, but from uh, his perspective and his camp's perspective, if he's locked in as a top seven pick, like, to me, he might really have more to lose, so I understand that. But in the end, like, I would just like to see more guys participate. It would be a more uh, fun kind of experience that also helps us learn more leading up to the draft. I I can't remember the exact numbers you tweeted, but just so few of the guys that are actually going to be drafted ended up playing in the scrimmages. Yeah, 40 out of my top 60. I also saw... I think it may have been uh, another publication it may have been the athletics said 50 of their top 60 guys did not participate. And it's tough. I mean, I know I, I spoke with Adam Walton, who's an agent that represents bones Highland. And he mentioned that bones did a solo workout last year, played in the scrimmages, only played one game. And he's the only reason why he played one game was because I think like he tweaked a hamstring or whatever. And we saw bones turn that into a first round pick and he ended up making all rookie team. I was hoping that agents would see the success of Bones and how it worked out for him, but it was it was it was just the opposite. So um, in, in this episode, let's talk about the centers. And um, you are in Utah. I know you're. You've mentioned that you're not a Jazz fan, but one of the biggest topics regarding centers, especially in the playoffs, is how many centers are getting played off the floor. And if we've seen Rudy Gobert uh, not have the same impact he does in the regular season, we saw DeAndre Ayton get benched. So in your opinion, when you are ranking like centers in this class, do you rank them based off of who is the best player or who do you think can be the most impactful or can stay on the floor in the playoffs? And I think that's a real debate that yeah. not only us, but even like NBA teams are having right now. Yeah, that's a really interesting question is how much do you factor in the playoffs as we're watching it? 
it's hard not to right now because it's what's present for us. It's the last thing we've seen. Um, something that I think I tweeted out last week is as I was watching the lottery, it, it just hit me that the guys that are projected to be the consensus top three guys, they were all there being interviewed. They're all 6'10 or over. And I just thought that was kind of interesting to think about because as we see the final four in the playoffs right now, we're in the conference finals. Really the only guy that's even 6'10 and still getting minutes is Maxi Kleba. And then Rob Williams has for Boston, but he's been kind of in and out with injury the whole time. And so you kind of just get that juxtaposition where like, I agree, those are the guys that I have top three for me right now. Um, they're all 6'10 or over. Everyone basically has them as their top three guys. But it is interesting to take a step back and think, just look at the guys that are playing in the playoffs right now. And, you know, one thing I'll add is I don't think it's necessarily size that's the differentiator, differentiator here. The thing that I look at is, in the modern NBA, you need as much skill offensively and as much versatility defensively. The thing is that smaller players tend to be more skilled and wing players tend to be the more versatile defensively. So it's not really that height is the issue. It's just versatility defensively and skill offensively that teams are trying to look for. Yeah, I heard a, a scout mention to me. Actually, he wasn't even a scout. He was a front office executive for a playoff team. And in his opinion, he felt that this was a bad year for Orlando to win the lottery because they need help on the wing. And the yeah. best three players are bigs that all play basically the four. And he said, like, if it was a year where you had a, a, a big wing, that was the consensus number one pick, it, it would have been more beneficial for them. All right. So I want to talk about a few players. All right. Let, let's start with. Well, actually, who is the number one five, just natural five on your board? Do you consider Chet a five or are you going with the more traditional five in, in Jalen Duran or, or Mark Williams? Yeah, good question. So in my notes and prep for this episode, I kind of ranked the guys. I've got them ranked already, but to your point, interesting question with Chet. I wrote down, I don't really consider him a five. I, I don't really label him with any position at this point. I think it might be beneficial to have him play some four to start his career so that he can avoid some of just kind of that banging and just uh, over the course of the season, just the wear and tear of guardian centers every night, kind of like we saw with Evan Mobley this year. Um, so I don't really consider him a five. And so I, I do think it's interesting to still consider him in this discussion though. But in terms of answering your question to me after Chet, if we're going to include him or not, to me, clearly the top guy is Jalen Duran. He's a guy that I'm higher on than the consensus. And to me, I have him clearly above the other centers in this class. I just want to talk about chat for a little bit. So mm -hmm. um, I feel like I'm turning into a mini chat for it because all I did at the uh, combine was get sources from people. And so um, it, it's a little different because at first I used to just rely on my own opinion. And yeah. now um, that I have um, access to, to different guys. And I know like for Chad's following, I know a lot of the reason why people follow Chad was because he used a lot of sources and he used a lot of intel in his article. So I'm still trying to be myself, but also I'm trying to maintain, um, you know, what Chad had going on. If it's not broke, don't, don't try to fix it. So I, I did speak to 
as many front office executives as I could. And one of the opinions about chat was a, a front office executive mentioned that he thought he was very hard to build around. He said, usually you don't hear about that from the defense, from the offensive, from the defensive standpoint, usually you hear about it on offense, but he felt like Chet is going to be a, a difficult person to build around because he said he thought that, and I'm going to talk about this in my, uh, on my next uh, mock draft that comes out, but he said he felt Chet's greatest attribute on defense outside of his shot blocking is his ability to move his feet and switch out on the perimeter and defend guards. But he said that that means if you want him to be your primary pick and roll defender, that means you have to play him at five at the five. But he also said if you play him at the five, he's going to get buried and not necessarily by your, your Jokic's, your Embiid's. It's guys like Jonas Valanciunas. It's guys like even a Rudy Gobert on a duck in. Is he strong enough to handle that? And so he said, yes, he does bring value as a weak side shot blocker. But do you you can kind of scheme him out of the play if you have him at the four. Do you agree with, with that assessment? I understand what he's saying to me though. That's like, it's getting to the point where you're kind of just overthinking a little bit. That's me personally, because uh, I, I don't view him as difficult to build around defensively. I actually view him as a guy because of the versatility, you can put different parts around him. Now, is he going to have to get a little bit stronger? Absolutely. But if he hits, you know, a good outcome and he's able to play center at some point and he does still maintain that versatility on the perimeter, to me, then he, then you get really uh, a ton of value out of him defensively because he can play the five and you can play, you know, more wings, more perimeter guys around him uh, to guard certain lineups. But if you still need him to guard down on the out on the perimeter, you can play him at the four and have that second shot blocker at the rim and try to close the paint off like the Cavs did this year. So I view it more through a positive lens where if he hits a decent outcome, if he can put on some strength, but still maintain that versatility defensively, to me, I see that more as like unlocking different defensive lineups. And the key to, like we've been talking about, the key to the playoffs is versatility. It's being able to play different styles. And I think there's a chance that he allows a team to do that defensively, in my opinion. All right. When we return, I want to talk about Jalen Duran. But before we get into the next segment, got to talk about Built Bar. Now, I love brownies, but what I actually love more than the brownies is the brownie batter. Sometimes I just eat half the batter just when I'm making the brownies. Now, if you imagine if you could lick the brownie spatula clean and get some protein in it, that is what the brownie batter puffs are because this new creation that Built Bar made is, is better than ever. The, it's the brownie batter puff, and you heard me right. And this brownie batter puff takes protein bars to a whole new level, and they're available right now at Built.com. If you haven't tried the puffs yet, I'm sure that you are going to like it if you try it. If you try them because the puffs are chocolate covered marshmallows and it's a chocolate covered marshmallow protein bar and it is covered with 100% real chocolate. There are 140 calories, 17 grams of protein and only seven grams of sugar. And the brownie batter puffs are the perfect pick me up for any day. All the built bar puffs are covered at 100% real chocolate. That means with the built bar, you can eat healthy, but more importantly, actually enjoy it. 
They're made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, and it provides tons of health benefits. So the brownie puffs, they'll have you completely forgetting that you are eating a protein bar. So no need to pinch yourself. This is real life. And go to Built.com and check out the brownie batter puffs now. And if you go to Built.com, use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off at Built.com. Com. All right, once again, this is Rafael Barlow, Director of Scouting, NBA Big Board. You got Sam Ferris, a.k.a. The Intelligent One. All right, let's talk about Jalen Duran. You had mentioned that you're higher on him than others. Do you feel like he is someone that can be in the closing lineup on a playoff team? Yeah, I do. Short answer. My long answer would be, and I'd be interested to hear your opinion on this, um, sometimes we kind of throw around the term of, oh yeah, he can switch, he can guard on the perimeter, he can guard all five positions. Just like everything in the draft, it's really hard to know and to assess which players are going to be able to switch, which bigs are going to be able to guard on the perimeter. Um, it's just as hard as everything else in the draft in terms of evaluation. One example is Kavon Looney for the Warriors right now. Like on paper, he should have no chance to guard anybody. He's not that quick, he's not that athletic, but he just knows how to play angles, use his body, and he's been effective. He's one of those bigs that has been able to stay on the floor. And so, kind of a long answer there is, it's hard like anything, but certainly you need, or at least most guys need, the quickness to stay in front of guys on the perimeter like a BAM. And having length and just intelligence also helps. It's early. It's hard to know, but I do think that Jalen Duren is going to be one of the guys that's versatile enough offensively and defensively to hopefully close and play in important li- uh, lineups in the playoffs. Yeah, it's definitely hard to 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 fully understand or fully know if a guy can defend out in the perimeter because it's not like college basketball has the spacing. You know, you can look at some centers in college basketball and say that they never really had to leave the paint or had to defend just because again, you don't really have a lot of stretch fives or, or a lot of pick and roll. I mean, even like offensively, sometimes it's kind of hard to judge a guy's a pick and roll role man, because you think in theory he can do it, but you look at his pick and roll possessions in, in college basketball and it's slim to none. So yep. um, yeah, I, I think it is, a little difficult to to gauge whether or not someone is going to be a good pick and roll defender. I mean, I guess you can just go by, you know, how well they move their feet and their athleticism. But I mean, I, I feel like you just gave the best example in Looney. Looney's yeah. never going to be considered like this great athlete in a sense. And then we're talking about a guy that's had, if I'm not mistaken, hip surgery on both hips, and he is yeah. not supposed to be the guy <laughs> that, yeah. that is uh, defending out, out in the perimeter. So let's talk about Mark Williams. I think Mark mm-hmm. Williams really helped himself at the combine based off of his measurements. He, he didn't play or participate in anything, but he measured well, and I had a chance to watch his pro day. I mean, he is a large human being. I mean, just yeah. thick legs, broad shoulders long arms. I mean, it's like he can scratch his knee standing straight up. And do you think Mark Williams is someone that can play closing lineup minutes for a playoff team? And before you answer that, 
I almost feel like Mark Williams is a guy that is going to, at his best, get you to the playoffs. He is a guy that is going to help your team win in the regular season. But in the playoffs, he could be someone that gets played off of the floor. Do you agree? Yeah, I definitely agree. The thing that, I mean, the thing that's hard is there's always trends in the NBA. Right now, we're kind of in this spacing this small ball era and it's been around for a while, but there are going to be different eras. There are going to be different things that happen and come up like, you know, this could change. Maybe there ends up being more size in the future. We don't really know, but if you were to throw him like in the current playoffs, yeah, then I I don't see him playing more than like, you know, uh, just like the starter minutes. Like you'll see from like a guy like Dwight Powell, and he's barely your, even playing starter minutes. It's yeah, like he barely, starts and, and he's yeah, like he comes up. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, I do view him as a good regular season big, and like you said, he helped himself. It it's pretty rare that I'm just shocked by a guy's measurements uh, because we watch him play all the time. And I knew he was huge, but man, those those measurements were crazy. And so with the size, with the shot blocking. Yes, I do view him as a potentially really solid drop big in the regular season. I just don't see the scheme versatility defensively, nor really the versatility offensively as well to kind of hang in there and play in crunch time minutes in the playoffs. Yeah, we're on the same page there. And um, I think it's going to be interesting for a team that is selecting in the lottery. So, for example, I think Charlotte needs him. Like, they need him very badly. And I think that would be a, a really good fit. But can he play playoff minutes? And Charlotte is a team that is going to be expected to make a push for the playoffs next year. And then, like you mentioned, things change. Like, it, it's very trendy. It's a copycat league. And uh, I actually had a chance to sit down and talk with Rasheed Wallace, who was like, one of my top two all-time favorite players. And he was working with uh, Michael Foster on post moves. So I was asking him, do you think post play is going to come back where where centers are actually going to get the ball in the block? And he said it has to, because that's the only space on the floor now where there actually is spacing. The wings are crowded. So he feels like post play is going to come back. With all that being said, do you think Mark Williams has the potential to be a guy that can catch the ball on the block and make a play for you? Or do you just see him as like a vertical lob thread, a guy that's just kind of score out the dunker spot and just make plays with his hustle energy? No, I, I just view him as the dunker spot or the big rolling to the rim. It's kind of the Clint Capella comparison that we used a lot of guys. Uh, I posted a stat on Twitter this week that uh, in college basketball over the last um, like uh, since 2008, so last 14 years, only two guys have had 90 dunks and greater than an 11% block rate in a season. Anthony Davis at Kentucky and then Mark Williams this year. So he's that rim running big. He's so long. He dunks everything around the rim and he's a good rim protector. He's a good shot blocker. I honestly just don't see many other avenues to real growth for him because I don't see the versatility defensively maybe he can get to the point where he hits like a catch and shoot three, but in terms of any ball handling or like passing on the perimeter, those are the things that you really need to stay on the floor offensively in the playoffs. And personally, I just see that as a very unlikely scenario for him. All right. When we return, 
I want to talk to you about Christian Coloco. Now, he is someone that I think could actually provide minutes in the playoffs and not get played off the floor. But I'll, I'll get into my opinion, and then I want to ask you about yours. But before that, I want to talk about Bet Online, and that is because Bet Online continues to be the number one source for all of your betting needs and sports info. You can find all of the latest odds, news, and sports development, including this year's basketball playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, and even next year's NFL futures. BetOnline is your continued source for all of your sporting wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline is where the game starts. All right. In the last segment, we talked about Jalen Duran, Mark Williams. We talked about Chet Holmgren in the first segment. Now Christian Coloco. And Coloco is interesting to me because he is your, your, I guess, your typical vertical lap threat, even though, if I'm not mistaken, I don't have the numbers off the top of my head. Or I don't remember them. He didn't test, like, very well vertically. It wasn't like he just had, like, this explosive vertical leap, but he is tall and long, so he doesn't really need a 40-inch vertical to, yeah. to be a vertical lap threat. But what was shocking about his combine was that he shot – the cover off the ball on the three-point star drill. If I'm not mistaken, he was 16 out of 25, finishing the top five out of all the players that participated in the uh, three-point star drill. And what's weird is that I don't those numbers I don't feel like came out from the NBA. Only people that had those numbers were people that were there. Luckily, I took a picture of the of the big screen that and, and posted them online. But with Coloco. I interviewed him and uh, I'll probably find somewhere to post a quote. And he said that he believes that he is going to be able to space the floor in the NBA. Now, based off of your knowledge of Coloco, do you believe the shooting touch is real? And if so, how does that help him stay on the floor in the playoffs? So I'll kind of hedge on this. I think there is a chance that it's real. And I won't say that I put zero stock into the shooting in those drills. I do put a little bit because those numbers are pretty eye-popping. But I certainly do rely more on the film, more on the numbers. And 74% from the free throw line this year, pretty encouraging. And he'll even hit some kind of like mid-range shots when you look at the numbers for him. In twos outside of the paint, 43% some kind of touch shots and like mid-range shots. Uh, hasn't made a three in college through three seasons, um, but we've seen guys, whether it's the guy like Brooke Lopez, where like six, seven years into his career, he decides he needs to start shooting him and he makes them. Some guys are just that talented. Like if you make the NBA, you're talented. Some of these guys do figure it out. So, you know, the spot shooting is something you can work on. It's one of the main skills you can practice with repetition. I certainly wouldn't be shocked if he ends up being a guy that can hit standstill spot up threes. Uh, the question with him is, can he really do, can he be versatile defensively? And then can he do anything else outside of kind of uh, the roll to the rim dunk and then catch threes? That's kind of the question with a lot of these bigs. And I know we don't have a chance. We don't have time here to get to everyone, but that's why I actually, in this range, I prefer a guy that I view as more versatile, a guy uh, by the name of Jalen Williams out of Arkansas. 
Yeah, Jalen participated in the combine. I think he just did one day of the scrimmages. Didn't have the the best showing, but I was able to watch his pro day, and he did show flashes of touch. He had a nice little, I, I don't know whether it was like somewhere in between a floater and a push shot that he does have in his arsenal. Yeah. And I thought he shot the ball, shot the ball pretty decent. So you would take Jalen Williams, and we're talking about Jalen Williams from Arkansas, not yep. Jalen Williams from Santa Clara. <laughs> These yeah. Jalen's are very, very easy to get confused. And um, it's probably going to be like that for the next five years. Uh, actually, my brother just went to his daughter's kindergarten graduation. And he jokingly said, like, most of the boys were named like Jalen also. So there's a lot of Jalen's and Jaden's coming around. That's for <laughs> yeah, sure. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Jalen Williams from Arkansas, J-A-Y-L-I-N. So you would take him over Coloco? I would, uh, because of kind of the topic of this episode, I view him as a guy, the versatility is there. Offensively, he loves to handle the ball. He loves kind of the DHO game up top. He's a good passer. He can dribble. He can get into those floaters, like you said. Uh, the three-point shot is coming along. He'll take them. He'll make a few. But, you know, if we think that Coloco might shoot it, then I think it's certainly more likely that Jalen Williams does. And then I think he moves his feet pretty well on the perimeter. He also measured a little bit bigger than I was expecting. Uh, takes a ton of charges, a very good positional defender. I I think, I don't have the stats in front of me, but he was like close to the record all time in terms of charges broken or taken, which is an indicator of kind of the IQ, the feel and the positioning that I like there. And so kind of my hot take with the center position is I think that Jalen Williams, for me on my personal board, is closer to Mark Williams than Mark Williams is to Jalen Duran. Whoa, hot take, hot take. I need some type of uh, <laughs> flaming sound. And you know what's funny about Jalen Williams? He took a charge in the three-on-two, two-on-one, one-on-one drills at the combine. <laughs> it's yeah. the combine. On one hand, yes, it's the combine. And you want to show off like who you are. You want to make a good impression. But I remember playing high school ball and I've been around enough teams. I'd never see guys take charges in three on two, two on one drills. And he took a charge there. I want to say he took a charge in this in the scrimmage on, on the first day. So yeah. um, that is just who he is. Now, where do you have him on your board? Do you have him as, as, a, as the a first, first round? OK, yeah. I've got him 27 right now. So. All right. Ishmael Kamagata. Are you familiar with Ishmael? Have you had a chance to watch his film? So I've watched a little bit. I don't know as much of uh, as you do. I've, I haven't focused on the international guys this year as much due to it being a little bit of a down class. And then you and the rest of the guys that do the show with us are more focused on that. So I'm not as familiar, uh, but I've seen a little bit of film, but give me your take on how he kind of fits into this situation. Do you see him as a guy that can be versatile in the playoffs? I think so. I think that he has the ability to be a vertical lap threat and he, he has the motor that you like. I think sometimes in order to play in the playoffs and be an effective defender, you have to have the motor. Of course, you have to have the intangibles and all that. But I think that he does have the energy and the motor, and it's, it's consistent to where he's going to bring effort. I feel like even though he's not as talented as Aiton, I feel like that was kind of one of the issues with Aiton in the math series is that he didn't always bring consistent energy. And then, 
I mean, I saw the play going around on social media where he just basically quit and like just didn't even close out and, and leave the paint. So in that sense, I think he can't help. He can shoot the ball. At least I've seen in work. I've seen in a private workout that he shot the ball pretty well. Um, but he just didn't get the opportunity to shoot in games. He's actually here in Dallas now. And so I'm supposed to go to one of his workouts tomorrow and, and, and get a chance to watch him work out before he does some team workouts. But I have him as a first round pick. And I think that he can be someone that that will play close well fourth quarter minutes in the playoffs but you know there's there's a difference between like fourth quarter minutes and, and closing minutes and even if you go like to Jabari Smith I think if Orlando is going to be good if Orlando takes him he has to be your small ball five in a closing lineup hmm. I think that just kind of opens everything else up all is right was there any yeah okay. just follow up is that because you don't uh, trust him like his versatility defensively at the four or just because of offensively, you think you need kind of more skill around him. Offensively. Okay. Just, you, you need more skill. I mean, he, he opens the lane up, you know, if you, you know, yeah. I mean, especially in the playoffs, I mean, you just seeing that centers are just, if you have a five that can stretch the floor, I mean, you look at Dallas, they are yeah. not more talented than the Phoenix suns by any means. No, you could say they had the best player, yeah. but you were able to limit Aiton offensively and defensively just by just by having Maxi Kleber. So, if yeah. you pair like a really good point guard with a five or a center that you just can't leave open, I just think it opens the lane up. So that's why I think he would be best as a as a five. That's a good point. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much. That wraps up this episode. I really appreciate each and every person that has made the NBA Big Board podcast your first listen of the day. Now for your second listen, check out the Locked On NBA podcast from the first jump ball of the playing tournament to the very last possession of the finals. The Locked On experts take you deep inside the playoffs with insight and analysis affecting all 30 teams. I am Rafael Barlow. He is Sam Ferris. We just talked about the center position and how the centers of this class based off of the way the game is played today in the playoffs, if we think that they can make impact and play in closing lineups or if they get played off the floor, once again, thank you so much for tuning in. And I, and not just me, but we are out.